0: Put my um, graphic up there or just a little, there you go. Air supremacy, H-E-I-R, wins the ground war. Now all of us fight ground wars from time to time, sometimes much of the time. The ground war has to do with junk that you're going through, things that you need to overcome, battles that you need to defeat within your life that's both on a, on a personal level, a city level, state, national level, is that you need to overcome. Say, overcome. overcome. Say, I'm called to be an overcomer. You're not called to be defeated. You're called to overcome. You're not called to be overcome. You're called to be an overcomer. Revelation 12, 11 talks about that, that they overcame him the one who's causing the ground war. They overcame him through air supremacy by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. They loved not their lives unto death. And we talk a lot about that part of where it says that the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, but we never talk about the part loved their lives, did not love their lives unto death. When a person reaches that place, what has happened is that the cross of Christ has worked so deeply inside of them that they're literally dead to everything around them, but alive unto God. See, if you're trying to live your own life, you're not going to win this ground war. You have to have air, H-E-I-R, supremacy in your life, or you won't overcome. You won't defeat rejection. You won't defeat the loneliness. You won't defeat the the despair that you feel in your life because you're not walking in air supremacy. I can't make you walk in air supremacy, but I'm going to present to you this morning the the principles of air supremacy so that you can begin stepping into that and living your life to the fullest. I've said this in the last couple of weeks, and I'll say it again. If you're not enjoying God, you're probably serving religion. I want to say it again. If you're not enjoying God, you're probably serving religion. He was meant to be enjoyed, and he enjoys us as well. He enjoys the pleasure of our company as we should enjoy the pleasure of his company. And so it's amazing. if I finally got to this word, and I think it's the right time because I've had this word now for about three weeks and hasn't been able to give it, but I think it had to do with the timing. And we're going to talk about what it is to be an heir and have heir supremacy in your life. Back up just a little bit. I got saved in 1976 in January, 17th of 1976. Everything transformed about my life. I, I I cursed like a sailor one day, and the following day everything changed. I lived my life to hunt and fish. I didn't live my life for my wife and kids. I lived my life to hunt and fish, and on that day everything changed. Then, in May of 1976, I I was filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit and spoke with other tongues, and my enjoyment of the Lord went to another level. And I'll never forget that day driving home from the paper mill I worked at in Alabama. I was by myself. Normally I rode in a carpool. And I was just enjoying the Lord. And all of a sudden in my innermost being began to bubble up the word of the, 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 the speaking in tongues. And there was a connection made with the Lord. And I began to step more into the air of who I am who God is in me and it wasn't long after that that we were attending a Baptist church by the way from the time I got saved to the time we were filled with the Holy Ghost it wasn't long after that maybe a month or so that our pastor from the Baptist church came to visit us first time he'd ever come to visit us but he had an assignment and his assignment was to kick us out And so he came in there and he said, you know, I hear that you've been going to these meetings where they're speaking in tongues. And I said, yes, sir. I was 21 years old. And I'm from Alabama, so you said, yes, sir, to those who are older than you. And, yeah, it's a good word. And, and by the way, When there were women in the room and all the seats were taken, men, you stood up and gave the seat to the woman. That's the way we do it in Alabama. Probably Georgia too. And he started telling us how that the baptism of the Holy Spirit in speaking in tongues was of the devil. And I need to tell you this. Cheryl and I, we were kicked out, but we were never traumatized. Because we were enjoying God so much, and God was working that cross so deep on the inside of us, there was nothing to be traumatized over. And he began explaining how it was of the devil, and I already heard his message on that. I had actually challenged him on that. Because in in training union class, that's how we were introduced to the baptism of the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues, was that he was teaching against it in training union class. And I would go home and read the scriptures, and I would come back, and I would think to myself, this is not right. So finally, in one of the training union classes, I I did the unpardonable sin. I challenged the pastor. (laughs) I was young. I should have challenged him, but not in front of everybody you don't want him to lose respect but I did but anyway in that setting he said to me he said do you speak in tongues and I said yes I do he said well that's of the devil and what you're doing is of the devil and then my wife had had enough of this and she spoke up and she said this how can the devil give you something that caused you to love Jesus more, caused you to read your Bible more, caused you to love your wife and your kids more. How can the devil, he said, he didn't have an answer. He said, I don't know, but he does. And then he, he, he invited us out the door. Now, he didn't last long in the church after that because it set such tension in the church because everybody in the church loved us. We weren't trying to bring division to the church. We didn't even talk about speaking in tongues there. Although our oldest daughter, she was three at the time, was giving us away because she'd sit on the front row and she'd say, Hi, they were singing, I'll fly away. Hallelujah! <clears throat> but I, I'm looking back on that now and saw that I had stepped into sonship when that didn't bother me to be kicked out. I had stepped into sonship. I had stepped into a place where I was secure and comfortable with the Lord. This is where God is trying to take us today. And the title of this message is Occupy 2.0. About two or three weeks ago, I did Occupy number one. Until he comes, this is Occupy 2.0. Next week will be Occupy 3.0 unless the Lord changes it. And he says here in Genesis 22 verse 17, Indeed, I will greatly bless you, and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heaven and the sand which is on the seashore, and your seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. That's the ground war. (coughs) Excuse me. Your seed, your heirs will possess the gates of their enemy. That's the ground war that you have to win. You have to win the ground war over rejection. You have to win the ground war over despair. You have to win the ground war over sickness and disease. You have to win all of those ground wars. But you can win it and defeat it because you are an heir. It goes on to say in Galatians 3 and verse 29. This is out of the NIV. If you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed. So in other words, that means Genesis twenty-two seventeen 17 is also for me. Because I belong to Christ. I am Abraham's seed. I am heirs. Say heirs. heirs. According to the promise. That's an awesome word there. You see, air supremacy, put that back up, Ruth. Thank you, Ruth. She made that for me today. Air supremacy wins the ground war. I've got it written right here, too. We're part of the air force H E I R. Part of the air force. Say, air force. Man, you get people in the Air Force, H-E-I-R, together. And you start getting them moving as one together. All of a sudden, you begin taking ground in the kingdom of God. What happens many times is that you have this one who has stepped into the air, and this one has stepped into the air, but this one over here is still walking in illegitimacy. It's not that... It's not that. They themselves are illegitimate. They just feel like an orphan. They feel like they're not loved. They feel like they're not welcome. I mean, that's why I got up here and said, roll out your own welcome mat. They feel all that stuff. And so they're never able to join the Air Force because they still feel illegitimate. God gave me a word in December, and I posted it on Facebook, and the word was that in 2019, God is going to build a new structure for sons and daughters. He's going to bring forth mothers and fathers, the Elijahs and the Deborahs, that's going to break illegitimacy off the people of God and move them into sonship. That's a powerful word. i got so much going through my mind right now. Listen to this, Galatians 4, 7. The Spirit himself testifies that we are children of God. This is actually Romans. And heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed, we suffer with him, so we shall be also glorified with him. Romans 8, 16 and 17. Galatians 4, 7 says, therefore, you are no longer a slave. Say, no longer a slave. No longer a slave. See, as an heir, I don't have to listen to rejection. As an heir, I'm no longer a slave. As an heir, I don't have to listen to fear. Because I am an heir. Say, an heir. heir. Look at somebody and say, you're an heir. heir. So I'm no longer a slave, but I'm a son. You're a son. Applies to you also, ladies, if I can be a bride, you can be a son, okay? I'm a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. That means I inherit from God. An heir through God, an heir from God. <clears throat> being an heir is actually being properly aligned with him. Ooh, and that's a good word there. It's being properly aligned with the Lord. We have that plumb line here. That plumb line, Kendall and some others put it up there several years ago when I preached the plumb line message here. This is before I came here. But to be an heir means you get properly aligned. So if you're walking in illegitimacy, you're over here. But the plumb line is here. The plumb line of sonship is right here. So we try to get everything to come and minister to our illegitimacy. We try to get everybody to come and minister to our illegitimacy. We even try to get the Lord to come and minister to our illegitimacy. We do. You know, we start feeling sorry for ourselves and say, Lord, won't you come over here and feel sorry with me? Or or we tell somebody else our woes and we want them to feel sorry for us. But over here is the spirit of sonship. And when I step right here, I'm not walking as illegitimate. I'm not having thoughts as being illegitimate. I'm walking as an heir. Now, that's a good word. (coughs) When you're aligned properly the authority of being an heir begins filling your life. Uh, Last week I watched Braveheart movie again probably for the thousandth time. One of my favorite persons (coughs) characters in this movie is a guy by the name of, in the show his name is Jonathan. He's actually from Ireland. And he tells the brave heart and all his guys, William Wallace, he says, I own the island. And I love that because he feels he has ownership of that island. He feels like he's an heir of that island. I tell people all the time, I own the entire state of Florida, and I do. The whole state belongs to me, it's mine. Tanya and Justin got in here. I told them, I said, Welcome to my state. I said, All the blessings that this state has is given to you now. In Jesus' name. Every one of them. You're an heir, so enjoy God. If you're not enjoying God, you're probably serving religion. As an heir, we receive who he is, we receive kingdom, we receive authority. We receive being a steward of the kingdom. We receive grace, which is an empowerment from the Lord. We receive blessings, favor, healing, power, and deliverance. But what is an heir? What is an heir like? Heirs of what? I'm going to make three points here if I get to all three of them. And you may want to leave some room to write between them. I'm going to talk about being an heir of God, being an heir of righteousness, and being an heir of the promise. Three different things, being an heir of God, being an heir of righteousness, being an heir of promise, it says in romans eight sixteen we 're going to read it again, and if children then heirs heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together, if you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise galatians three twenty nine and If you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. Next page, Galatians 4 7. Therefore, you are no longer a slave. Say, I'm no longer a slave. Now, see, when you're in this illegitimacy over here and you think rejection, you think defeat, you are a slave. You're walking in the mindset of being a slave. You're actually speaking the language of a slave when you're over here in this rejection, despair, you're feeling illegitimate. So you'll have a different language than the one who is an heir. This one has a different language. This one's talking about possessing the land and loving God and enjoying God and moving forward in life. And this one over here is saying, I can't hardly make it. I live on barely get a long street and can't hardly make it avenue. Somebody deliver me. That's because you're feeling illegitimate, and you're not walking as an heir. So he wants you to shift. Say, shift happens. See, the first thing that we're heirs of is that we're heirs of God. And I did say shift, by the way, okay? (laughs) You be careful how you say that. And if you do voice text, always check it before you send it. I did a voice text to Pam and Bryant this morning. I checked it before I sent it. And I'm so glad I didn't send it. I'll tell you later what it said, but you probably won't like it either. The first thing that we're an heir of is that we are an heir of God. We're an heir of him. We're an heir of who he is. We're an heir of his character. We're an heir of his countenance. We're an heir of his... Uh, 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 freedom, an heir of his authority. That could go on and on. But I'm going to talk primarily about being an heir of his character because that's what we are, first of all. Patty says this quite often. She says that your gift will get you in the door, but your character will keep you there. That's very important. See, God honors character before he honors gift. You can prophesy all you want to, but you and your wife or you and your house or you and your kids, it's out of order. Go prophesy somewhere else. I want to see your character. Amen. Woo. That's some edge to that sword. God wants to see your character. You can tell me you do signs and wonders and miracles, but I want to see your character. We have people come in the church here all the time. The first thing they want to do, they have this preach on them, and they want to preach. And I say to them, what I want to see is your character. I want you to run with us a while, and I want you to serve, and I want you to clean some toilets, and I want you to sweep some floors, and I want you to change some diapers. I want to see if you have the character to serve. And most of them don't, and so they'll not They'll quit coming here because they don't have the character to serve. They just want to release their gift, but they want to release their character. It's a good word there. He wants to release his character to us. His character is from heaven, and he is known. Let me share this with you. God is known by his character, not by his gifts. He is known by his character. Now, Patty says it the way I told you. Your gift will get you in the door, but your character will keep you there. I say it like this. If your gifting or your anointing... Is way up here but your character is right here your character will sabotage your anointing and you'll tumble down I don't care how gifted you are because your character has to at least measure up to your gifting at the minimum it has to come there and so it's important that we work on our character if you have a gift it's going to shine the Bible says a man's gift will make room for him and place it before great people But also your character needs to shine as well. So you're an heir of God. Say, I'm an heir of God. So I'm going to show you some scriptures about his character. We're going to look at every one of them. So put your seatbelt on. Go with me this morning. Isaiah, I mean, uh, Genesis chapter 26 through 28. Then God said, Genesis 1. 26-28 26-28 through 28. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea over the uh, birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. First thing he said let's make, God, let's make man in our image and that word image there is a word that in the Hebrew actually means an illusion or a shadow. That Whenever you would see Adam, it was so much an illusion you thought you were looking at God. And see, this 126 verse has not quit. This was actually restored to us at the cross through his death. And so what happens is is that God wants us to embrace his image, not the image of Sigmund Freud. Sigmund Freud says, Man has all these different personalities, but God says, I'm only giving one, and it's mine. That's right. Hello. Now, you psychologists, psychiatrists, and psychics, you put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> he gave you his character, He gave you His image. He didn't give you a bunch of different images. He gave you his image, his character, he placed it in you. And he said, not only that, I'm going to give Him authority to win the ground war. When he said, I'm going to give you authority over creeps and all the creeps that are in the earth. You have authority over all the creeps. The creep of rejection, the creep of poverty, the creep of complacency. All these different creeps you have authority over. You just find some kind of creep that's been creeping up on you, and you begin taking authority over that creep because you're an heir. I can almost dance. (laughs) Whatever creeps have been creeping up on your door, deal with it. Take authority on it. Don't let it stay there. You know why Cheryl and I have been 45 years in marriage and have such a good marriage? Now, really and truly, she and I enjoy each other. We enjoy each other's company. People who have been with us, you have seen us. We're comical. I told, uh, I told Spencer and, and um, what's his name? AJ this morning. We went and had breakfast together. I said, I enjoy her. There's not been one moment of our marriage that has been mundane I've enjoyed every bit of it it is so we still laugh together we still joke together she makes jokes about me I make jokes about her we still have a good time we enjoy each other but one of the things that has happened to keep us that way and that doesn't mean we don't have arguments we do I just remember the Kenny Rogers song you've got to know when to hold (laughs) them know when to fold them Know when to walk away, know when to run. I've learned how to do that. (laughs) But the main thing is that the Lord has worked his cross so deep inside of us. And we believe so strongly in covenant that we just would not walk away from each other. Because of our belief system and our cross that he's worked deep inside of us. I feel like a message coming on about the cross. Galatians 5, I'm going to show you some more of his character. Oh, by the way, I've asked the people who have the Bible up in Georgia that produces oil, I've asked them to come here, and they're, they're, they're willing to come. We just got to work out the dates. And uh, Tim, I don't, how many of you have heard of this? This oil produces Bible it's in a tub and it fills up. They empty it all out and it keeps producing oil. And uh, Tim Sheets was with him on Sid Roth a while back. And Tim says, uh, just, uh, just what I would think, Tim thought you couldn't turn the pages one at a time in this Bible. He said, but you can open that Bible, and you can flip the pages, even though it's oily, just like you can your own Bible. I think it's cool. It's a wonder. All right, we're going to look at Galatians 5, 22. Here's come some of his character now. But the fruit of the Spirit is agape, love. Agape is unconditional love. It means I'm, yeah, It means what un- unconditional love means is that you don't have to perform for me for me to love you. That's what unconditional love is, agape love. Whenever Jesus was speaking to Peter, he, said, he didn't use the word agape when he said, Peter, do you love me? He used the word phileo. It's a friendship type of love. Now, I, now I'll take that back. Let me re- rethink that. When, when the Lord said to Peter... Do you love me? He was saying, do you agape me? Do you have unconditional love? When Peter repeated back to him, he said, Lord, I love you. He said, Lord, I phileo you. He didn't say agape. Agape was a word that was already being used, but agape was an intimate love that has no conditions attached to it. Phileo love, on the other hand, is a friendship type of love, and it does have conditions. It means you have to continue to perform for me for me to love you. And so Peter would answer him back, Lord, you know I phileo you. And the Lord would say to him again, Peter, do you agape me? Do you have unconditional love for me? Even though I may not perform the way you want me to perform. And there was times that Jesus didn't perform the way that Peter wanted him to perform. He said, do you have agape for me? And Peter would say back, Lord, you know I phileo you. And when the Lord answered him the third time, he didn't use the word Agape. He said, Peter, do you phileo me? Peter was frustrated then. And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I phileo you. But it's two different, and actually there's another Greek word. It's called eros, which is a sexual type of love. But these are three of the main loves that you'll find in the Greek culture, in the Greek scriptures. But the Lord focuses on mainly agape love. It's an unconditional type of love that I have to accept you just like you are not try to change you to be who i want you to be hello come on somebody this is why there's such control in the pulpits today is because pastors want you to be like them oh me but jesus wants you to be like him and he agapes you so much just the way that you are. He agapes you just the way you are. But he agapes you too much to leave you the way you are. Isaiah 11. Let's look at some more at his character. So glad to have Kai and Kim with us. I preached at their church up in Savannah. And uh, they're there on the front row. They came down to the sin. We're glad to have them this morning. Thank you for clapping. Now here's some more of the character of the Lord, in verse two. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. That didn't mean he was afraid of God. It meant there was reverence that he had has for God. Didn't mean he was afraid of him, but he had reverence for him. Now look at this. He says. This is some of my character. I want you to have the spirit of wisdom and understanding. Even Paul talked about this in Ephesians. He prayed. He said, I want you to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. At the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Spirit of counsel and strength. Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. These are some of the characteristics of the Lord that he and when we move into the image of being an heir, we begin taking on these particular characteristics. Look in Psalms 86 with me, if you would." But verse 15, "But thou, O Lord, art a, art a gracious, a merciful." And gracious, slow to anger, and abundant in loving kindness and truth. Now listen to this. The Bible says if you will show mercy, what will happen to you? You'll receive it. But just what happens if you don't show that? You reap what you sow. And so he wants us to have mercy toward one another. We're all going to blow it sometimes. And there's going to be somebody that's going to let you down but you will, will you be merciful to them or will you require judgment from them? He wants you to be merciful toward them so that you can obtain mercy. <coughs> In Psalms 119 verse 64. <coughs> Pardon me for this cough. I'm moving out of the remnants of a cold. I'm getting over these creeps and taking authority over them. In Jesus' name, you creep of the cold, I command you to go. Verse 64, the earth is full of thy loving kindness, O Lord. Teach me thy statutes. I see a lot of people, they don't feel like God loves this earth. God made this earth. Why wouldn't he love it? He made it. His loving kindness fills all of the earth. That's part of his character of who he is. In 145 verse 8 The Lord is gracious and merciful Slow to anger And great in loving kindness When you get that cross Worked down deep inside of you All of a sudden When somebody says something to you That has rubbed you the wrong way in the past It won't it won't be able to because you're dead to sin but alive unto God see you can't you can't upset a dead guy you can take a needle that long and stick him with it and guess what he's going to say nothing took my kids to the graveyard one time I said y'all go up there and talk to that guy in the grave I said what do we say I said ask him what he's doing And I said, I promise you, he'll say nothing. (laughs) So they did. They walked up there. What you doing? Nothing. 145, verse 8. Whose mouth speaks deceit and whose right hand is a right hand. No, this is not right. That's 144. Okay. Okay. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and great in loving kindness. James three seventeen. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. Now, when someone gives me a word, I look for this right here in the word. I look for these attributes. I look for the word, is it, first of all, from above, is it pure? Does it have a pureness to it? Is this word peaceable or is it setting me in conflict? Is this word gentle and reasonable? Is it full of mercy or is there no hope in the word that's being given? You need to ask yourself that question when you get a word. Is it full of good fruits? Is that prophetic word that's being released to me, is it giving me hope? Is it unwavering? Is it without hypocrisy? These are the characteristics of the Lord. Pam and Brock got a powerful word from Sean Boats on Friday night, was it? I was so jealous I wasn't there. (laughs) He sent that thing to me, and I, I wept through the whole entire word. Sean Boats called him out by name. How many people were there? 500? 1,000? Okay, they don't know. A lot of people were there. Called them out. And he said, is there a and Pam here? And they, I guess they stand up. I wasn't there to see anything. But then he calls out. He says, what is 121? Is that an anniversary or something? Pam said, no, that's my birthday. I'm blown away. I'm listening to this. He nails them. I mean, things I have been speaking to them for over a year. Bam, 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 bam. Now they'll listen. (laughs) Now you need that confirmation from time to time, even though it's been spoken once. But I was so blown away. Word didn't have any condemnation in it. Didn't have any despair in it. It was filled with life and hope. Now listen to this. One of his character traits, Galatians even talks about this in great detail, is freedom. Say freedom. Freedom. This is what freedom is defined in Webster's 1828 Dictionary. I always go there quite often because sometimes it will have Scripture to, to back up the definition. Freedom is a state of exemption from the power or control of another. It's liberty. It's an exemption from slavery. That means you're moving from illegitimacy over into being a son. It is exemption from servitude or confinement. Freedom is personal or civil or political or religious. has particular privileges, franchise, immunity. Such as the freedom of a city, the power of enjoying franchises, exemption from fate, necessity, or constraint in consequence of predetermination or otherwise as the freedom of will. I want you to get this right here. Exemption from fate. Now, I've been lit reading a lot recently by um, Carolyn Leaf, Dr. Carolyn Leaf, a scientist, also a strong believer. She says... That up to 70% of the diseases that we face, that everyone faces, can be corrected by the way that you think. She said even the ones, the diseases that are passed down through the generations, have passed down through the generations because of a toxic thinking that has been done through the generations. See, whenever you get into the freedom of sonship, that exempts you from all the diseases that may have been in your family before or maybe the sin that was in your family before it exempts you from all of that you're a son now you're under the plumb line of being an heir so you're exempt from all of these things so i say i'm exempt i'm exempt from a disease come on guys i'm exempt from disease i'm exempt from sickness I'm exempt from sin because I am an heir. You are. You're an heir. You're exempt from that stuff. Man, that is so good. That'll preach there. Exemption from constraint or control. There was a bunch of you during worship today that's wanting to break out and dance Now, some were restrained, some were not as restrained, and some were completely restrained, but some were ridiculously unrestrained. I won't point any fingers. But walking in freedom is an exemption of that constraint. You can't constrain, you can't hold back freedom of being an heir. Whenever I'm home during the fall of the year on Saturday, which is not very often, but if we are, there's one thing that we do in our house on Saturday from the time that 11 o'clock hits until the time that every football game goes off in the evening. We watch all college football all day long. Especially Alabama. Roll Tide. And so I'm going... Yeah, Cheryl says, "We live in a condo now. You got people on both sides of you. So that's trying to put a restraint on me." You should see me. They're getting ready to make a play, and I start praying in tongues. (laughs) Move the ball. Are they? Are they? They're on defense, you know, and I'll say, hold, hold, shandala bakaha, hold. We need to get unconstrained. Freedom calls you to do that. He's a facility or doing anything. He speaks or acts with freedom. Let me say something about number six. Dutch had an encounter with the Lord several years ago. He wrote the book, The River of God, because of this encounter he had. And in this encounter, now you, if you're religious, you're not going to like what I say. He found himself in the river of God with the Lord, river of life. And he and Jesus were playing. And Jesus was slapping him with water, and he was slapping Jesus with water and Jesus would duck him and hold him under and he would duck Jesus and hold him under. Now I know that some of you may have a hard time with that but you have to go read your Bible where it says David played before the Lord. So they were playing. And having a great time and I'm sitting there reading this. I'd actually try to read this book once a year because I love especially the vision part because I love I love the visions of heaven. How, what they represent and how they represent. And at one point the Lord took him on a journey. And they saw someone that was eat up with cancer. And in his vision he said to the Lord. He looked at him and says, why don't you heal him? And Jesus said to him, why don't you heal him? Or her, whoever it was. See that was exemption from restraint. That was An ease or facility of doing anything. That's why when Peter and John went to the gate beautiful, and they told the man there, we don't have any money, but what I do have, what is on the inside of me, I'm going to give it to you. Why don't you heal them? Now, see, the religious mindset has a hard time with that. We know that it's the Lord that heals, but guess who he uses? You. He uses us. He wants you to go and heal people. He wants you to say, I don't have any money. Maybe you do have some money, but you still need to say, in the name of Jesus, what I get, what I have, I'm going to give to you. Get up and walk in Jesus' name. Yeah. I, I, I was listening last night to the sand and sure had it playing on the iPad, and sometimes it's better for me just to listen than to watch, because you can get turned off sometimes by what you're seeing. But I was listening as Benny Hinn came out there. Benny Hinn started as normal. Alleluia. Alleluia. I don't know how many times I've heard Benny do that. We used to go to his church a lot when he was in Orlando. And all of a sudden, I could feel the healing presence of God move into the place. And even though I've heard that a lot and to me, I, I, I said, I was thinking, Benny, do something different. You know, at least go to, you know, uh, I exalt thee. But he facilitated the Lord coming in there. He took what God has given to him. There's no telling how many people were healed yesterday. And he began to release that out of his belly. where you need to begin releasing it also freedom is frankness boldness this is you frank frankness boldness or he addressed the audience with freedom there's a lot of freedom in here today but there's been times i've been in here where there was no freedom so-so license or improper familiarity violation of the rules or decorum yeah sometimes they need to be violated with a plural, beware of what are called innocent freedoms. Now I want you to look with me to Luke chapter 4. Because this is one of the things I believe the Lord is doing in Florida right now. Luke 4.18. I believe that the Lord this weekend uns- unscrolled the mantle of Luke 4.18. And Lou Engel has been releasing this quite often. This Luke 4.18 word. They, they got the word primarily from Paul Cain. And Paul Cain, when his, before his mother died, she told, before she went into a coma, she told Paul Cain that she had a word for him. And then she went into a coma and wasn't able to give the word. But then she comes out of the coma after a couple of months and rises up and says to Paul Cain, Luke 4:18." Goes back into the coma. And she dies... On April 18th at 4.18 in the morning. And then they were releasing this in Florida. And this got all on the inside of me that this is who Florida is. If you're here this morning, this is who you are. If you're not from Florida, you're from Georgia, somewhere like that, take this back with you. Listen to this. Paul came, passed away on 2, 12, 19. If you look at 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 12, you're gonna find Elijah going up in the heaven. On 213, you're gonna find Elijah picking up the mantle. It's time for us to pick up the mantle of Luke 4:18. There was a dream from a girl by the name of Cheryl, and she said, This is before he died. Hurricane, Hurry, H-U-R-R-Y. Hurricane, Hurry, This is what she had in the dream. This was about Paul Cain. But she was releasing this word in the most hurricane state of the nation. Hurry, we need the Luke 418. Hurry, Cain, we need the Luke 418. Mm-mm. <coughs> Luke 4:18 mantle has been imparted to Florida and it says the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Say this when the spirit of the Lord is upon me. You know what is not on you the spirit of man, the spirit of corruption. The spirit of sin, the spirit of disease, the spirit of demonic oppression, that's not on you. The spirit of the Lord is upon you because he has anointed you to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent you to proclaim release to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind and to set free those who are downtrodden to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And I don't know about you, but I'm in a favorable year. I heard everybody say last year, 2018 was a horrible year for them. It was one of my best years. Brother Ken, you didn't go through what I... I probably went through the same thing you went through. But I've allowed the Lord to work that cross so deep inside here that a lot of that junk doesn't affect me or phase me. People move here, they say, man, this warfare is intense. That's who I am. I've been in warfare my whole life. I wake up every day in warfare. What do you do when you're there? You rejoice in the Lord. You rejoice in the Lord. You don't go by your feelings. You don't go by your circumstances. You become an heir and you speak to it. Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has appointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the release to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set Free those who are downtrodden to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. I'm not going to finish this message, but I'm going to get a little bit of this out. I love Romans 8, 1 and 2. I'm going to turn in my Bible. I could quote it to you, but I've been accused before of not opening my Bible when I could quote Scripture. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I could say it like this. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are co-heirs with Christ. There's no condemnation in them. Get that condemnation off of you. Break it off of you in Jesus' name. Break off the lie of the enemy. You know, one of the, one of the uh, laws that the Lord gave to us in the Ten Commandments was do not bear false witness. We think that's all the time telling a lie on somebody else. You could actually be lying to yourself and saying just exactly the opposite of what the Lord says. We're heirs of God. Don't bear false witness on yourself. Don't bear false witness on God. Don't say something God hasn't said about you. Or about someone else. I, and I tell you, I say this again. I told you this the other day. Tala Gilly, Wendy's mother. Her her kids were. I pastored them. I won't tell you what it was like. But Tala, yeah, probably Wendy's watching. You're the main one I'm talking to, Wendy. Talah would call those girls mighty women of God. They go get in trouble. They come home in trouble. And she'd say, You mighty women of God. She would call those things that be not as though they were. Her son was deep into drugs. Cheryl remembers this heavy into drugs. Now the guy, he lives in Arkansas now, been in prison, is so on fire for God. Because Tala would call those things that be not as though they were. She would speak to them as if though they were an heir, not an illegitimate person. Come on. You speak to your children as heirs. That's why my grand, great, uh, granddaughter, I started to say great-granddaughter. My granddaughter, Kenna, she knows she's an heir of her papa. So she calls me on the phone last year and says, Paul, will you buy me a phone? I said, Kenneth, do you know how much these things are? Yeah, I know how much they are, but Paul, you have the money. Would you buy me a phone? (laughs) Now, I would have bought every one of them a phone, but she was the one who was bold enough to ask. She, being an heir, knows that everything that I have belongs to her. She said it. She told Cheryl, she said, everything Papa has belongs to me. It's the way she thinks. And she went on, she went on, the, the first thing she did was she text Cheryl. She said, can you talk to Papa about buying me a phone? And then I think Cheryl said, well, why don't you ask him? And then, so then she begins texting me. Then she begins calling. Now, if you really want something for me, you need to call me. Because I'm from the old school. I like hearing voices. I, I can't hear you through a text. So she starts calling. And, oh, will you buy me a phone? I did. I bought her a used iPhone 7. I still paid a lot for it. And I told her that was her Christmas and her birthday for several years. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. See, if you don't have a condemnation in you, then the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has freed you from that illegitimacy, feeling illegitimate, feeling like you're a nobody, feeling like you're despair. If you believe that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. It's one of my favorite words. When the enemy comes at you with a thought. And by the way, you don't have to say the thoughts that you think. They do not have seed form and cannot produce until you say them with your mouth. I'm going to say that again. Your thoughts do not have to be said. They do not have seed form and nor will they produce life or death until you say them. It's when you say them that it produces life or death, blessing or cursing. So you have to choose your words carefully, what you're going to say about yourself, what you're going to say to other people, what you're going to say about the Lord. That's a good word there. That law has set me free from the law of sin and death. In Galatians 5, 1, and we'll stop right here. Those of you that are visiting, you'll just have to pick it up on YouTube next week. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery.